All right, everybody, welcome to Sunday night service. How's everybody doing this wonderful evening, man? Who's enjoying our Barstow cool weather? Have you seen that out there? That is absolutely uh, the best stuff I've ever felt in July in Barstow. So we are blessed, and we're going to have a great time tonight. Who had a good time this morning, man? Wasn't that an awesome time together? In the house of the Lord, it was fantastic, and I just know that everybody's expecting tonight. Now, it is a fifth Sunday night, and so we are going to take communion together tonight because, uh, you know, we, we decided to do that on the fifth Sunday nights uh, since some of our Sunday night uh, family doesn't get a chance to do communion with us. And uh, anyway, it's going to be really great. So if you're watching at home, get the elements together, especially if you are believing to receive healing. Uh, we believe that, you, you know, you can receive healing uh, simply through taking communion and uh, calling on your covenant rights. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we are going to keep seeing America come to Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's say it together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness Mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, give Jesus a shout of praise, and you may be seated this evening. All right, well, let's get into our announcements. All right, uh, first of all, tomorrow is August the 1st, and so we're starting a new scripture reading and uh, commentary devotion for the month of August. Uh, you can, of course, get it online. It's on the social, on the Facebook page. It's also on the church website. But if you want to party like it's 1890, then you can get a printed copy. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> so, no, it's good. It's good. Printed copies are great. But um, we've got a whole bunch back there, so get a printed copy. Uh, James has one. If you want a printed copy, he'll bring it straight to you. That That's service with a smile right there. Find that somewhere else. That's good. Uh, but if you want one of the printed devotions, grab those. And the month of August, the scriptures we're studying are about finances, about financial success. So that would be a great thing for all of us to get a hold of right there. Amen. All right. Well, tomorrow night is the church pool party. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Some excited people. Now, uh, it's from 630 to 9. The church is providing ice cream. You just bring uh, some Christian drinks for you and your friends. Amen. And uh, what? Amen. All right. Some holy water. Bring some holy water and we'll just, you know, have a good time with that. Praise God. Um, now, I was told that we've reached the capacity on people coming in. And I just wish there was a way that we could get more people in. But is there anybody in here? I'm just curious that you didn't register in time and now you want to go, but you can't go. We're not going to we're not going to point and laugh. But if that's you, just OK. Oh, your friends will point you out. All right. Wow. That's what kind of people we are. We'll just, okay. Uh, anyway, well, praise God, you know, uh, 
better luck next time. <laughs> what can you say? What can you say to that? Uh, but, you know, I've got connections maybe, so I just, you know, I want you to be there. But All right, well, uh, with that being said, Saturday is the men's meeting. Men, are we going to be there? Men, come on out. Gonna have a great time. Breakfast and Bible and bro time, all right? The three B's, the three B's. It's gonna be wonderful. I made that up on the spot, Nick. That is that flowed, man. I'd like to think it was the Holy Spirit, but it probably wasn't. So uh so that's this Saturday. But then Sunday is gonna be our children's church promotion Sunday, yeah. Uh so the kids uh, that are moving up to their next uh class in church. Uh, will get promoted that day. Also, it's kind of a back-to-school bash Sunday, and so they're going to have uh, some little parties in their classes to get ready for going back to school, which I think is the next week. So make sure you get the kids here this Sunday, and we're going to pray over all the kids and teachers and school workers before they start the new school year because we want to send them in there with the anointing of God, man, ready to go. All right? And then, of course, my favorite announcement of all is this, is that uh, Harvest Fest is coming up in only like, you know, 90, 100 days, something like that. It's right around the corner. And we're going to be starting the planning process. And that's our biggest event of the year. The last couple of years we haven't been able to do it. But this year we are going full force, full steam ahead, large-scale Harvest Fest. So uh, if you are interested in helping with the initial planning of it, uh, we got a sign-up sheet back there at the info booth. And this is just the planning stages, but... What? I'm getting it. Are you talking to me, back row? Okay, that's handled. All right, very good. Well, even if you're not on the planning committee for it, everybody. Oh, okay. Wow. Like, here it goes. My boss has got something to say. What? Okay, so because, like, kind of all home folks and you all kind of pretty much already know Harvest Fest anyway, it's coming. So lots of people signed up this morning, and some people are people who, like, they, they want to help set up the week of. But what we're talking about is people who want to, like, help plan. So if you signed up for planning, I sort of volunteered you for you to help plan. And I don't mean, like, you know, planning the paper or whatever. Um, but, for instance, Raymond. Sorry to call you out. It's just coming, okay? So uh, Raymond signed up. And, of course, he's going to be there the week of to set up. But I was like, oh, he needs to be with James and help do lights and plan where stuff is and do the safety and do the, you know. So if you would like to help plan for the security team or if you would like to help plan logistics-wise, like parking and lighting and stuff like that, um, make sure that you come to those meetings. And if what you intended was to just set up, you sort of are getting roped into more. So if you want out, cross your name off now, okay? Um, I am doing my best to not touch Harvest Fest stuff. I love it in my heart, and I don't want to touch it. You know what I mean? Like the actual work of it. So I told Desiree and Casey to have at it, and that Brother Valdez and I were out this year. But you know, like, when the Lord has you do something. We tried to quit years ago. We, we thought we had pastor in a really good spot. We were at Robert's backyard at his pool, and we're sitting there, and Robert looks at me and I look at Robert and I'm like, yeah, this is pretty good timing. You know, when you get dad in a good mood. And so we've got pastor all relaxed and having some snacks. And we said, uh, pastor, uh, we think that this is the year to not do harvest this. And he was like, well, that's not from the Lord. 
So <sighs> Harvest Fest is in our hearts and definitely in Pastor and Miss P's heart. So here it comes. And Robert and I are not the bosses this year, though it's really hard to not touch things. So we're going to come and ask questions and be annoying, but we're just there to have a good time this year, okay? And the rest of you, if you signed up, make sure you're at the planning meetings and make sure that you involve yourself because the church is a body. And if you, uh, if you shrink back and you don't do what you know in your heart, like the Lord's put on your heart to do, then the body doesn't work right. You know, like imagine if your heart just wasn't feeling included right now. It would not go well for you. So all all these organs you got going on, they feel included all the time. So don't feel like you don't have a spot or you're unincluded or whatever the devil's trying to tell you. Just go get involved and do what the Lord has put on your heart to do. Amen. amen. Sorry, that was really long. That was good. It was long, but it was good. Can I get an amen? All right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. But we are excited about Harvest Fest coming up. And once, you know, it, it, it takes all hands on deck, everybody helping out to make this thing happen. So we are going to do that. Praise God. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yes, it is happy time. And we get so happy because God just loves a cheerful giver. If you need an envelope, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. And we are going to open up our Bibles to Psalm 96. Psalm 96. Praise the Lord. Kind of a new verse I stumbled across the other day. I mean, it's not new to the Bible, but it's new to me. Uh, so Psalm 96, and I'm going to look at a verse 10 here. I'm in the NLT, Psalm 96, actually verse 8. Psalm 96 and verse 8. And if you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. Now, we want to thank everybody, uh, Pastor Katie and I, for your, you know, your honor this morning and your generosity for our uh, 18-year wedding anniversary. Uh, we appreciate that, and we love you guys very, very much. And I just got to say that we've got the best church family in the world, all right? It's the truth. It's the truth. Uh, but we love you guys very much. Let's look at Psalm 96. Oh, what is this? Is this open mic night? <laughs> I just need to tell you that, not that loud, I just need to tell you that I'm so grateful for your honor and your kindness this morning, but I need you to know that that seed is planted, and so we'll make sure to pray with you and for you and over that seed, and I can tell you a hundred testimonies of ways that the Lord has super done that, so please don't... um, out of the celebration of this morning, please don't lose what the Lord told you this morning um, through Miss P. That was a very important special lesson, um, and it's a concept that if you can get a hold of that in life, it'll it'll change everything. Um, that's how we ever afforded to buy a house. Like it was impossible for us to buy a house, and in in the process of buying a house, I had remembered we sowed a seed when we were in college and um, the pastor was talking about sowing a seed for your home and I was like hey we should do that and you know it wasn't like a I felt the Holy Spirit kind of it was just like hey we ought to that's a concept that's in the word we should do that and so we sowed $50 which back then was like giving your right arm <laughs> like it was really a lot of money to us like a lot of money to us 
So fast forward 10, 15 years, we end up buying a house. And as we're buying this house, we had no money in the bank. Like it, it was absolutely a miracle how the Lord worked everything out. But we made, we didn't put any money down on our own end. And we, you know, we just didn't have the money to fix things, do things. We just didn't have any money. And the Lord ended up giving us, through buying that house, $5,000. So it's weird and creepy and this isn't Bible math. But I'm just telling you, $50 made $5,000. Just like one kernel, 1,600 kernels from this morning. So, you know, that seed... It's not an addition thing. It's a multiplication thing. And it's a really serious biblical concept. So please know that we're praying over your seed and we're believing God with you. And I thank you for sowing it into us. And we promise to be good ground. Amen. We promise. We are good ground. We are, we're dirt. We're, we're dirt. We're really, we're dirty. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. Well, let's look at this verse here. Psalm 96 and verse 8. In the NLT, and I've been loving this chapter all week long, but it's a really, it's a good chapter. But I want to look at this verse here, and it says this, give to the Lord the glory He deserves. Who knows that the Lord deserves some glory, right? Come on. He deserves the glory in our lives. But it says, bring your offering and come into His courts. And I just think about us, man, in, in the house of God, in the courts of God, man, coming in and bringing that offering. And we're doing it to not only, you know, do what the Bible says to do, but we want to give the Lord the glory for all that He's done in our lives. Amen. For for what you do have, the job you do have, for the house you do have, for the provision that you do have. We're thanking God for that, and we want to give Him the glory. And so, let's do that tonight. And we're going to give the Lord the glory He deserves, because He does deserve it. And we're going to bring our offering and come into His courts tonight. Praise God. Well, let's stand up together this evening. Amen. And we're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. And then we're going to have a great time of praise and worship together. Amen. Let's go ahead and do this. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. If you want, you can come up front to the altar with us and let's worship the Lord together tonight. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house. Your place, our praise becomes your house, your place, oh God. Now we 
sing a song and you come in. Make a dance and you come in. Shout your name and you come in. Give you praise and you come in. Sing a song and you come in. Make a dance and you come in. Shout your name and you come in. Give you praise. Cause you inhabit the praises of your people. Yeah, you inhabit the praises of your people. Yes, you inhabit the praises of your people. Yes, you inhabit the praises of your people. Sing our praise. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house, your place, oh God. We sing a song and you the dance and you come in, shut your name and you come in, give you praise and you come in, sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shut your name and you come in, give you praise, cause you inhabit the praises of your people, yes you inhabit the praises. of your people we sing now we sing a song and you come in make a dance and you come in shout your name and you come in give you praise and you come in sing a song and you come in make a dance and you come in shout your name and you come in give you praise cause you inhabit the praises of your people
Till I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so. the good. 
Father, we're so grateful that we get to go to heaven. And Lord, that we didn't die before we received you as our Savior. Lord, I know that that time when I was 16 years old and I was in that drunken accident that I was the drunk and the police said I was dead. But Lord, I want to thank you. You didn't let me die. You let me live. And Lord, that time when I was 19 years old, my appendix ruptured. All those days in the hospital, and they said I was going to die, and I didn't die, but I lived. Lord, I want to thank you. Out of your goodness and mercy, I got to live long enough to receive you as my Lord and Savior, so I could live and not die, declare the works of the Lord, and be able to fulfill your plan for my life. And I know that everyone in here tonight, and everyone watching Everyone watching online, that they've all got testimonies of your goodness, Lord, how you spared them, gave them a chance to live. So we thank you tonight as we study your word, as we seek your face. You're going to speak to each and every one of us and inspire us and stir our faith and show us how we can be more pleasing to you, to win people to you that were just like we were back then, Lord. We're going to help other people come out of that and come into the kingdom of God. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can be seated. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Like those songs, guys. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Man, isn't it good to be here? This is better than being in jail. Hey, man. This is better than being in the hospital. This is the best place I know to be. It's so good to be here and to be able to hear the words of life from the Bible and the Holy Spirit not only in us, but in those around us. No animosity, no resistance around us. It's all people of like precious faith. And to be able to let the Holy Spirit get on us and anoint us to do what He wants us to do better. Uh, I want to show you a book, first of all, before I get to the Word, Following God's Plan for Your Life. Following God's Plan for Your Life. I bought that when that first came out probably about 30 years ago. And uh, I've pulled that out so many times over the years, got my yellow on every page pretty much, and got red stars, blue stars, dates and circles and things like that. Because over the course of my life, over the years, as I've like like hit up a wall and think, man, what's going on, Lord? I don't know what's going on. What do I do next? What am I supposed to be doing? Uh, what What's happening? Help. And I'd go read that book and I'd see places I'd put yellow through before and he'd speak to me all over again and show me what to keep on doing to follow God's plan for my life. But anyway, that's following God's plan for your life and I really recommend if you don't have it that you get it and uh, just start reading it. And then books like this here, Keep in Your Personal Library, I'd I've had giveaway books and I've had keeping books and I learned as a young Christian there's a couple different times that I was really ministering to somebody when I was a truck driver. I thought, man, I got a book that'll help them. I gave my books away. They quit printing them, never got them back. And I thought, man, I don't give away books anymore that's not giveaway books. 
There's giveaway books. Then there's books that you're keeping books. So you got to you got to learn that. And so anyway, it's good to give, but at the same time, it's nice to have your own tool chest. You know, I think about a mechanic. I think, well, David, mechanic. We got other mechanics out here. Man, if every time somebody else gets started in the business, you gave your tools away, Dave, you'd go broke. You couldn't make a living. You can't give your best stuff away sometimes. So anyway, that, I've got a book, the same book I've had for all these years, and that's helped me so many times. I've, I've carried that book on overseas trips. I've been places. I'll pull that book out and read it. God will talk to me through that book. It helps. But if you have any doubts or any questions about what you're supposed to be doing in life, you need to get things like that, resources, That'll help you. Amen. How, how many are doing our uh, devotional thing that I'm doing? Those devotions are right now. Well, I was reading this morning's devotion this morning again. Although I wrote them, wrote that a couple months ago, I go through them every day too. And when I was reading this morning's out of John 17, that really spoke to my heart. And so I want to talk out of John 17 tonight. And uh, I've never taught this chapter like I'm going to teach tonight. This will be one of Pastor Dave's expositories going to go through there and look at a few verses. And, and here's what I put for the title. You can go ahead and open up John 17. I put for the title, The Heart of Jesus for All Born-Again Believers. The Heart of Jesus for All Born-Again Believers. And I, I learned something at a pastor's thing uh, years ago. And I, I, I followed this through with, 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 with believers pray or other preachers. And the, he was talking about if people want to know the heart of their pastor said, pray with him. And said, if, you, if you'll if you be quiet while your pastor is praying, listening, he's praying, you hear what's coming out of his heart because he's talking to God. And you'll catch the heart of the pastor. Well, I've learned that about you too as, as prayers. With different ones, if you pray sometimes I'm with you, I get real still to hear what you're praying because I learn your heart. Because when people, I'm, ta- I'm not talking about, uh, about Pharisees and Sadducees, I'm talking about real Christians. When they pray and they close their eyes, they let their guard down because they're talking to God. And when they're talking to Him, they're talking honest. And they're talking real. And so in this chapter here, John 17, I realized I was beginning to write, write a few thoughts out this afternoon that, wow, this is Jesus. This is His heart. He's talked to the Father at the most crucial time of His whole life. He's getting ready to go be crucified. And He knows that for the first time in His existence, and the Bible tells us that Jesus is with the Father, always was, always is. The Son was right there with him, never been separated from him. And he knew to pay the price for sin, the, the outside part, the crucifixion, and the whipping was way beyond anything any person should ever, ever go through. But that wasn't the part that bothered Jesus. The part that bothered Jesus was he was getting ready to go down into hell without God. Because why was he doing that? He was our substitute. He has paid the price. He was taking our judgment. And that's the judgment for the human race for rejecting God, rejecting Jesus, is hell without God forever. And so Jesus, to take our judgment, take our punishment, he did that. And so that's when he's on on the cross. He quoted Psalms 22. He said, oh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And so he was getting ready to go through all that. But before he got there, he's praying. And so I'm going to look at some things out of John chapter 17. And I really, uh, in our in our devotional, I was at the last part of the chapter, the things I talked about this morning, that devotional. But as I started going through the first half of it, I couldn't get that far because I didn't think you could last that long. And so we're going to look at the first 
the first part of this and see some things here that I that I believe will, will, will really inspire all of us for catching the heart of Jesus in prayer. And so I think about things I've heard over the years about Bible interpretation. How many know that it's it's possible to interpret the Bible wrong and come up with goofy doctrines? But also, uh, Timothy said rightly in 2 Timothy 2.15, he said to rightly interpret the word of truth. And so, I like what Brother Hagin used to say, he said he wouldn't say to rightly interpret if it wasn't possible to wrongly interpret. And so, there's different laws of uh, Bible interpretation, but the one I've always heard the people I, I trust says the number one law of Bible interpretation, so you don't get goofy doctors, this. Number one, when you read the passage, you got to look and see who's doing the talking. Number two, who are they talking to? And number three, what are they talking about? And so when you read the Bible, and uh, you know, I just think about something real simple, that if, you, if you've been a Christian very long, you understand parts of the Bible are talking to the Jewish people and not to New Testament Christians. Amen. So some of those old laws and ordinances from thousands of years ago, they're in the Bible. But who was doing the talking? It was God. Who's he talking to? He talked to the Jews. About now, where they lived at then, he's not talking to us now. We can eat pork. New Testament says that nothing's unclean if it's prayed for, sanctified by the word of God in prayer. And, you know, I'll tell you one that'd be a harbor to live by today. Have you ever read the book of Deuteronomy where he said, if you've got a rebellious child... Take him to the gates and have the elders stone him. They bad. You got you got to look at who's doing the talking, who they're talking to, and what they're talking about. And I noticed that uh, the ladies in the church here don't have your heads covered. And I do know in this church the women are definitely not silent. Hey <laughs> bad. You got to look who's doing the talking. Paul at that time when he said that in First Corinthians, he was talking to Jew- new Jewish believers that they were still trying to live under the Jewish law, and so the women didn't have much rights. And so then there's people today take verses like that, try to break it in the New Testament church, and man, they ruin everything. And so it's number one, who's doing the talking? Who are they talking to? And what are they talking about? And what I like about this passage, as I wrote those notes down, is this number one, this is Jesus doing the talking. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the Father. What's he talking about? He's talking about Christians. Amen. He's talking about us. And so we're going to catch the heart of Jesus as we look at this. And I know just a few little things I wrote down. There's so much in this. But the few things I wrote down is really, really going to be an inspiration to us and really help us sharpen up. And so verse 1, verse 1, it says, Then these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven. So that tells you right there who's talking and who he's talking to. It's Jesus looking up to heaven to talk to the Father. And so he begins to say some things. But then I want to look at some of the things he said because this is really, as we look at some of these nuggets of gold in here, they really, they really blessed me. I've read this thing, I don't know how many times over the course of my Christian life, over and over, prayed over, studied over, taught over. But today I'm sitting from a whole fresh angle. I don't think I looked at it like I'm looking at tonight, and I believe it really blesses. And so anyway, uh, if you ever want to know the perfect will of God for your life, listen to the heart of Jesus right before he's crucified. I want to say that again. If you ever want to know the perfect will of God for your life, 
listen to what Jesus prayed for you right before he was crucified. And uh, I want you to look at verse 9, because I'm going to go through here and just look at some key things. Every verse in this is really good. We'll just point out a few things that I believe the Holy Spirit has me to say tonight. Look at verse 9. He said this, I pray for them. He's talking about his disciples. Talking about his disciples that were with him, plus the disciples in the future that says. He said, I pray not for the world. He said, I'm not praying for the world right now. He said, I'm praying for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And so Jesus was very specific. And I, I, I said that to say this. We as Christians, we can't pray for the whole world. You know, I know sometimes I get all, all uh, I don't know what to say, rambunctious Christians that think they got the faith to save the whole world and heal the whole world. And they come up sometimes in the prayer line, Pastor, I'll just want you to pray for peace for the whole world right now. I think, man, I've got faith to pray for peace for my church. I don't even have faith to pray for peace for all the churches in Barstow. You know, they got, they got, to, they got to grab a hold of something themselves. I can pray for pastors, but I don't have that much faith. And so we, 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 we can't really get out beyond our faith. And so Jesus wasn't praying for the world, whole world right then. He said, I'm praying for my disciples. I got faith for that. So you got to learn that too. You know, you can't empty out the hospital and pray for all the sick in the hospital. Just pray a prayer and say, man, we're going to put the doctors out of business today, man. I'm praying for healing for all the sick. It doesn't work that way. Jesus didn't even heal all the sick in the Gospels. Everybody would not receive what he had. But the ones that would, he could heal. And so Jesus was specific. He said, I'm not praying for the world right now, Father. He said, I'm praying for those that's going to follow me. Amen. I think it helps us. It helps us to see how Jesus operated and then and then for our own lives. But then I want you to look at something else here and then jump down to verse 14. Is that where I wanted to jump on? Make sure. No, 11 first. Verse 11 first. That's what I thought. He said in verse 11, And now I am no more, no longer in the world, but these are in the world. He said, These are in the world. How many know that before we die and go to heaven, we're still in the world? We are still in the world. But then look at verse 14 and verse 16, because there's an expression that we've used a lot, and I think you need to see where it comes from. He said, these that are still living, that are living for me, they're still in the world. And then verse 14, he says, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. In the world, but not of the world. And then verse 16 says, they are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. And so we can see there that there's a difference between being in the world and of the world. The Bible has so much to say about that. Has anybody ever heard that expression, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world? Well, that come from Jesus praying, and that's where this phrase came from. And so we're temporary residents, the Bible says. We're pilgrims in a foreign land. We're spirit beings. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus spiritually at the right hand of the Father in the place of authority and victory. That's something that Christians need to be taught more and more on. You need to study Ephesians, Colossians, and the different epistles. He tells us who we are spiritually. That's why we can, in the name of Jesus, cast out devils. 
We can, in the name of Jesus, get people healed of terminal diseases. We, in the name of Jesus, can break the power of addictions over people's lives. Because we're not of this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. We're from another planet, a place called heaven. This is not science fiction. This is Bible. We are foreigners down there. The Bible says we're foreigners in a strange land. And then also the Bible says that we're ambassadors for Christ. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, we live in an earth suit in a strange place for us. We take our earth suit off. We can't live here anymore. We've got to have an earth suit to be here. This earth suit comes off and gets cremated, gets put in the ground, something happens to it. But you're just as alive out of the suit as you are in the suit. Except you've got to have the suit because you're in a foreign place. So when we come out of this body, we go right to heaven. So we're in this world, in this body right now, but we're not of this world. We're of the place called heaven. That's where we're from. And we're ambassadors and something that we've really got to walk more and more in this seed time that at harvest that uh, Miss Pastor teached this morning, Katie talked about tonight. We got, we got to learn that as ambassadors, our embassy is in heaven. That's our headquarters. And we're, we're currently assigned to the planet Earth. And so if the America is operating how America is supposed to, then if there's an embassy in a foreign land, then that's just where they're living. But the resources come to the United States to what they need. That's why we go places and build things, do things, change things. And people come into that embassy in a foreign land and say, I'm a citizen of America. I'm seeking sanctuary here. Let me in. And they go in. Well, as ambassadors, now get this, as ambassadors, We've got to know how to call home for resources. And one way we call home is what Katie talked about a while ago. Home years ago instructed her, so $50 for your future home. And so she got here to get a home. She called, she called, she called headquarters for her assignment on earth and said, we need money for the house to live in now. And so headquarters sent her the house plus an extra 5000 because she's in the world but not of the world. It's the same thing for cars, education money. And, you know, we've all got so many testimonies, but that happens not because we're lucky. Luck has nothing to do with a Christian's life. It has nothing at all to do. The only kind of luck I've ever seen that works is bad luck. But actually, bad luck's just called the curse. But we're, we're living in the blessing. And so we as, we as believers have to get a hold of this and recognize that, that that face you look at in the mirror every day is just the suit you live in. And those eyeballs you're looking at is just the witness from inside so you can see out what's going on around you. And then those sensors up here, these ears, just so you can hear what's going on. Then you got a communication device called your tongue. Because how many know that when you come out of your body, you're still going to be able to talk to Jesus, except you don't have this microphone here in the body. That's the way this works. We're in the world. We're not of the world. And that's what Jesus prayed. He said, "He said, Father, they're still in the world, but they're like me. They're not of the world. We have our residency in heaven, and we're on assignment. I'll tell you what, if Christians just get a hold of these things, Jesus is saying it'll change your life. Do you recognize that? Amen. Amen. I just, I love hearing the heart of Jesus 
when he talks about me. And so we're ambassadors of the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is our source of supply. If I need healing, I call home. I get healing from heaven. Amen. And you know, whatever it is, if, if, if I need, if I need wisdom, and to me, I, what the Lord taught me years ago about wisdom, wisdom is simply knowing what to do. That's called the plan. And so whatever I've needed to know what to do in life, I've said, Lord, I want to thank you for the wisdom of God, which is the plan of God. And then understanding is to know the steps to take to accomplish the plan. If you got, if you see the plan laid out there, you don't know what step to take. You still can't go anywhere. You got to know the first step, then the second step. And then you've got to have the grace to step out and take the step. Because it takes faith, it takes grace to be able to follow the plan. But that comes from heaven. You ask me, say, Lord, what's the plan right now? I know it's job changing time. I know something's going on. What's the plan? What's the wisdom? And God plants that wisdom in your heart, but it comes from, it comes from heaven because you're down here on earth and you're on assignment. So you've got to know where you're supposed to be. And I, I knew I'd hit bunny trails, wasn't planned on that, but how can you help it? You know, when you got people watching and you got people listening, they want to know what to, do, what to do with their lives. The plan for your life and your career or your job is not all about money. If you think it's all about money, you're going to miss out. It's about being in the will of God. God has people. God has people you're assigned to help. And God's got people that are assigned to help you. And if you're at the wrong place, it's not going to work. You're going to miss your connection. Amen. Amen. Divine connections. Divine connections. There's divine connections that God has that it takes following the plan. And following the plans, recognizing who's got the plan. And you know, let me tell you, let me tell you one way you don't get the plan. Well, I hope I get to some notes again in a minute. I'm sure I will. But let me tell you one way you don't get the plan. Go around asking 15 of your best friends, what do you think I ought to do? Well, God just kind of sits up there and says, well, what do you need me for if you're going to ask all of them? If you're going to ask all of them, what do you need me for? He said in James 1, 5, if any man lacks wisdom, ask of God. He said, gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, but let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. And so how does faith work? Faith works, Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, by what you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and doubt not in your heart. And so that tells me this, that if you need the plan of God, number one, shut off your dumb phone. Your dumb phone's not smarter than God. You shut off your dumb phone, it's all that goofy stuff that'll pop up there, steal your time, steal your faith, and then you go to your prayer closet Jesus talked about, and then you say, Father, and it may be a personal situation, it may be a family situation, it may be job, whatever it is, say, Father, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus, based upon James 1, 5, for the wisdom of God, for what I'm looking at. As it says, he gives to all men literally upbraideth not. And so if you're praying in faith, Jesus said, what things ever you desire, you pray, believe you receive, and you shall have. And that's where the verse that Pastor David looked at, support from Mark 11, 24. So when you pray that, then you say, Father, I want to thank you. You said you give me wisdom. I want to thank you for your wisdom right now, Lord. 
I want to thank you. I've got the wisdom of God, and I'm going to see and know what to do. I remember when the Lord first showed me how to help somebody with that. I was a baby pastor. And there was a man that was on his job. He was only getting a few days a week, wasn't getting enough work to take care of his family. And he didn't know what to do. And so he sat in my office across my desk. I said, I'll tell you what, join hands with me. And let's look at this Bible verse. We read James 1.5. And we, and we then prayed that. He asked for the wisdom of God about his job situation. He said, Pastor, said, I know what it says and I believe that. He said, well, what am I going to say? He said, I've, I've, I've got family that's Christians, but they don't believe the word like we believe the word. He said, what am I going to say when they say, yeah, but what are you going to do? He said, what are you going to, what are you going to, what are you going to do? And he said, I was going to tell him. I said, you tell him this. I said, you tell him, I don't know what to do, but I've asked for the wisdom of God. And by the time I have to do it, I'll know it. I've used that over the years, over and over and over again for things. If a court date's coming up two weeks from now, you've asked for the wisdom of God, how to approach it, how to handle it, what to do. Well, you don't have to do it yet. It's not that day yet. And so what you do between now and the due date, whatever it is you're dealing with in life, people ask you, but what are you going to do? Say, you know what, I don't know right now, but by the time I have to do it, I'll know. Because my father doesn't lie. He told me, if I ask for his wisdom, he gives it to me. So by the time that day comes, I'll know exactly what to do. Because I've asked for the wisdom of God. That's called faith. That's how faith works. And so we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Our wisdom has nothing to do with our smarts. Your brain can be trained by schools but your spirit gets instructions from heaven. And so you ask for the wisdom of God, you might as well forget the thought process. God's not a mind, God's a spirit. He lives in your spirit. So when God talks to you, he gives you things in your heart where you begin to know in your heart, oh, that's what I do. Well, that's, that's all I know to do right now, so I'll do that. And you take that step. And then you take that step, then you've lost your boat. Your boat's out there in the water, you're starting to move. And then you see the next step, how to steer it to get to the next destination. That's how this thing works. And we've got to realize we're in the world, but not of the world. We don't get our directions like they get their directions. Amen. Has this helped anybody? Amen. Amen. I get people all the time asking me, what am I supposed to be doing? Well, I'll give you a good start. Read your Bible. Come to church. Pray more than, oh God. <laughs> Amen. And so anyway, in the world but not of the world. And so then, I want you to look at verse 14. And, and th th this is so good to know these things. He says this, I have given them thy word. And this is going to answer a lot of your questions. I have given them thy word and the world hath hated them. The world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. And so you've got to get a hold of this. This is Jesus with his eyes closed, looking up to heaven, talking to the Father about us, his followers. And he said this. He said, he said the world hates us because of the word we have, he's given us, and we're not like them. So the unsaved people of the world... Now listen to this. And you know, you may not have anything personal going on right now, but I don't know if you noticed, there's a lot of end time prophecy coming to pass right now across the whole earth. 
There's no two hated people groups of the whole world anymore than Christians and Jews. Amen. But Jesus is telling us why. He's getting ready to go to heaven and he's praying from his heart. And so the unsaved people of the world hate all we stand for from the word of God because it convicts them of their sin. Everything we stand for from the Bible convicts people of their sin because we don't participate. And uh, anyway, look at verse 15. It says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil one. Protect them from the evil one. So I'm not praying for you to take them out. He said, protect them from the evil one. And so what, he's, what Jesus is praying is this. We could not testify and witness to the lost if we were delivered from every situation in life. I want to say that again. They're out there, all around us, hurting and crying out at some, some of our persecutors. I, I think about one guy. Man, uh, when, I, when, I was, when I was a, a sinner before I got born again back in the 70s, I went through a divorce. And one of the meanest guys in my job that I worked with, I mean, I was a sinner too. He took me in, let me live in his house. We were best buddies. Him was girlfriend. I lived with him for a while. So I didn't have a place to live. They took me in. And when I got born again in 1980, this guy here was, I mean, he was really, really a bad, mean guy. I mean, he was tough. He was mean. He used to be a bouncer in one of the uh, meanest taverns in Indianapolis. I mean, he, he was really, really, really bad guy. He come up to me. After I got saved, because I was having quite an impact on the job, come up to me, back me in the corner, poked his finger in my chest, and starts using the words that we don't use, and let me know, said, hey, I heard about you now. He said, don't you talk to me anymore. You stay away from me. Don't you come preaching at me, or I'm going to blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I kept the love walk going, kept the love walk going, and it wasn't but just maybe a year down the road, he he not only worked at the truck dock, as that, but he had his own side business, several semis, and he saw all the testimonies on the job of people getting healed, things happened. And one day he asked me, he hadn't talked to me for a year. He said, hey, said so-and-so, his girlfriend, he said, she's got a really bad sickness. And I, I heard that you heal people. I said, well, Jesus does. He said, well, we come down to the shop and pray for her. So I went down to the shop. And inside the shop, they had about four or five diesel tractors. They're running, working, had the big things on their smokestacks so the stuff would go out and wouldn't hurt you. I went in there, and she come out of the office, and so I went to pray for her, and all those other mechanic people stopped, they watched, and as I got closer, I put my hand out, she started getting slayed in the spirit in that shop. And so she started falling, a couple of mechanics jumped out and was catchers. And they grabbed her, and they eased her back to the office and dropped her into a chair, and when I left that, 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 that trucking place, she was laying there And a few days later, we were in the break room at work, and this guy that had poked his finger in my chest and told me how he was going to hurt me told all those guys that my, my girlfriend has had this disease since childhood, and since Bernie prayed for her, she hadn't hurt, said it's gone. Told him that. And then, then to take that a step further, about four or five years ago, he died, and so I made a special flight back to Indiana to be to his funeral around all those people there but the whole thing was he thought he had a hatred for me because of God's word working in me but then because of my love my love for people and things that happened it turned around and so it would have been so nice 
to get delivered from a lot of those people I worked with, the way they turned, I mean, man, some people really turned on me because I used to be one of their best drinking buddies, stupid buddies and all that kind of stuff there, but all of a sudden, I didn't do that anymore. And they got convicted and convicted and convicted and convicted. I led a lot of them to Jesus. But you know why? Because Jesus said, hey, get a hold of this. This is going to help you. Maybe you need to change some of your praying. Jesus said, Father, don't, deli- don't deliver them out of there, but protect them while they're in there because they're undercover agents for heaven. Amen. Expository teaching. What do you think, Dave? Okay. And so anyway, uh, we need to thank God. Now listen to this. We need to thank God when they're in the midst of trials for his favor, safety, and protection. We need to thank God when we're going through things. We're going to thank God for those things. We thank him like, like the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. Man, they were praising Jesus. He said, hey, I'm going to jump there and dance with them. And so we need to know, we need to know why we're going through things. You need to know how to pray right. You don't pray for more trials. You don't pray for persecution. But if it's going on anyway, Jesus already told you what to do. He said, I've already prayed for you. He protects you while you're there. So just pray for safety and protection. And there's so many stories I can tell of the place I was in as a truck driver over the years that, man, oh, man, oh, man, did I want a bell out. I never got a bell out. I had to get the enemy saved. Amen. Now get a hold of this. You know, there may be some places you're at right now that you don't like being there, but while you're there, man, I tell you what, if you go to work for Jesus there, you're going to see things change a whole lot quicker. Next thing you know, you got a prayer partner. The guy that you, the guy that used Persico used to be praying with you. The woman used to gossip about you. She'll start, she'll start praying with you and you'll have a prayer partner. That's how it works. And so I want you to jump down to verse 17. And these things, these things are so, are so real to our Christian life that we got to get a hold of it. He said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Well, that word sanctify there means set them apart. God's word is God's truth. God's word is God's truth. And so listen to this. It says that that word that we live by separates us from the world. When all the world is believing a lie and testified to the lie of what's going on in society right now, moral values, moral values, that separates us from the world for sure. The world hates us because we don't agree with their current standard of morals about any area of life. But Jesus said, separate them by your word. That separates us for sure. I know that when I, when I was the truck driver back in that world, that's the way it was. Conversations going on, and it wasn't anything like it was now, because that's been a lot of years ago, but I just kind of sit there by my own business, just keep my mouth shut, because, man, I don't want to jump into a fire. Just I'm, I'm not one of those kind of guys who want to jump out and start preaching and condemning people to hell because of how they live. Because I used to be one of them. I lived that way too. And I wouldn't, I didn't want to hear that stuff. And so I just sit there and be quiet. And then sometimes when things are going on, all of a sudden two or three of those, well, Bernie hadn't said a word. And say, well, ain't that right? I just sit there, man, eating my sandwich and drinking my Coke, whatever I was doing, and just try to be quiet and stay out of the way. Well, ain't that right? You agree with that, don't you? I mean, things that to the world, it makes sense. You know, people that live in sin, people that don't know Jesus, what they're doing, they think everybody agrees with it. So well, everybody's saying it, as I just sit there quiet, think, well, everybody's not saying it, I'm not. 
Everybody knows it. Well, I'm sitting here. That's not what I know. I know. I know the truth. Jesus said, you know the truth. The truth will make you free. I know the truth. And then when they would finally get me to talk, I wouldn't be argumentative. They'd like, yeah. I'd say, well, no, I, I don't know. I don't know that. I don't believe that. That's not right. Well, why is it not right? Well, then I just real simple, the best way I could, without quoting my King James, I'm a King, King James preacher, but I'm not a King James witnesser. And so just in, in talk they could understand, I would tell them why it's not right. And because they opened the door that I could talk. But the whole thing was, the Word of God sanctified me. It set me apart from them because I did not agree with their sexual habits. I did not agree with their politics. I did not agree with the way they were raising their kids. I did not agree with the way they were using their money. But it was none of my business. But because of my silence when things were being discussed, it separated me until the door opened. Then when the door opened, then I could talk. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus said, separate them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so, you know, I just think about so many things today that society has even made laws. said That's the law of the land now. Well, there may be some things that's the law of the land, but they're not the law of the Bible. That separates us. But we're not, we're not called to go out and shoot arrows at everybody. We're called to let our light so shine before men. They'll say our good works to glorify our Father in heaven. That separates us. When we don't agree with those things, that separates us because we agree with God. Amen. Do you see what I'm saying? And so Jesus is praying this, and I want to say it again. Who's doing the talking? Jesus. Who's he talking to? The Father. Who's he talking about? He's talking about you. He's talking about me. He's talking about us. And he says the word of God will separate us. And so uh, when we don't compromise God's word of what we believe and what we say concerning moral values, politics, current events, then we stick out like a healed thumb. We stick out like a healed thumb. And so uh, because God's word separates us for the world system of values, then we've automatically like an open door witness because our lives... Paul said our lives are like an open book. We're known and read of all men. You know, Christians that live their Christian faith every day and they're not double agents, our living does more than our preaching. People look at us, they read our lives. I remember one guy, I I can't say what he said, but anyway, I read it to him. A few months after I saved him, he was talking about we'd been two single guys that ran around together, did a lot of things together. And he said, well, what are you going to do? What do you do about women now? You don't need a woman? I said, oh, he said, come on, you're lying. I said, no, I got Jesus. That's all I need. He said, you're not running anywhere now? I said, no, I go to church. I got Jesus. That's all I need. And I'm just thinking about my witness to him, because he didn't see me running around those bars anymore, spoke volumes. He didn't even know I'd been saved yet, because he didn't work for the same place I did. But my lifestyle had changed and my lifestyle was the witness. It separated me from that former life. But you know what? What if I was a double agent? Church on Sunday, the disco on Friday night. Or the country music bar. I was a lost dude. I was a lost dude. You know, I don't like to talk too much about my past. Before I knew Jesus, we were like fishermen. 
we would think, what if the women are biting night at the country music place? Well, next week we put our bell bottoms on their bees and we go over to the disco. We just went to wherever we thought the fish were biting. And that's how I lived. That's how sinner lives. After, after that, I got bored again. I didn't go to those places anymore. There was nothing they had for me. I was separated from the world. Jesus said, I'm in it, but not of it. So we quit doing those things. It wouldn't be hard to witness somebody if they saw you out doing what they was doing on Friday night and then on Sunday you say, hey, come to my church. I'll tell you what I'd do if I was a sinner. Somebody like that said, man, that's not a church I want to go to. If I'm going to go to a church, I want to go where God is. But if they got a bunch of people out here that are doing what I'm doing, that's what that church is full of. Why should I go there and get preached at and make me feel bad? Well, I just go ahead and keep on doing what I'm doing and I feel bad. Amen. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. <laughs> and so anyway, let's, let's get down to verse 18. And then this is where we're going to wrap it up, and I thought I was going to get to the end, but we'll, we will look at some things in verse 18 here, then we'll take communion together. And this, eight, this verse 18 is so good, and uh, i, I got to say this again. This is Jesus talking to the Father. This is just like right now, if I were to say, let's, let's bow our heads and close our eyes, I want to pray for you. Then you'd hear what my heart was for you, what I wanted to see God do. Well, here's Jesus praying for you and praying for me. He says in verse 18, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. As thou hast sent me into the world. He said, God, Father, he said, just like you sent me is how I'm sending them. And so, you know, I know that my, 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 my Bible teaching gift in me, when I see something like that, I think, wait a minute, if Jesus is going to send me like he was sent, that gives me a question, how was he sent? Amen. And so I think that if Jesus prayed for me to do what he did, be sent like he was sent, I better find out how he was sent. And so, hold your place, I will look at Acts 10.38. Acts 10.38. If this don't light your fire, your wood's all wet. Dylan, if you're watching out there, you always shout on that one. Could anybody here do me a favor since my good friend Dylan's not here? If, amen. If that don't light your fire, your wood's all wet. Okay. That's like sick them to a bulldog. We're ready to go now. <laughs> okay. Acts 10.38 says this, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Here's how he was sent. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. He was sent with anointing, Holy Ghost and power. And what did he do when he was sent? What about doing good? What was the good? Healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus said, I'm praying you send them like you sent me. He said, that's how I'm sending them. And so I want to say this to you for this prayer that Jesus prayed. I know in my own life, I've proved this since 1980. I'm sent like Jesus. John 14, 12 says the works that he did. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also and even greater. Why is that? I've got the same Holy Ghost. I've got the same power. I've got the same anointing. I can do the same good. 
I could heal people in the name of Jesus that are oppressed of the devil. Amen. God is with me. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. And so stop and think about this. Jesus prayed for you, for me, to be sent like him. And so you have the same Holy Ghost. You've got the same anointing. You've got the same power. You can heal like Jesus healed. Mark 16, lay hands of sick, they shall recover. In his name, cast out demons. That means people are oppressed, messed up in life. You have authority over the devil. And God said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. And so I heard a man say at a minister's conference one time, and this does the word of God, no injustice. Look at verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And Raymond hasn't been born again very long yet, but I know Raymond knows what I knew when I was his spiritual age. I knew this, that I, Bernie Samples of Indianapolis at that time, I was anointed with the Holy Ghost with power. And I could go about doing good. Kill it all with the press of the devil because God was with me. And so I knew then, and Raymond, I'm sure you got the revelation now because you mind me, me when I, I didn't know anything when I got born again. I started hearing things like this and seeing this. I realized that it wasn't experience that got the job done. It was the Jesus in me got the job done. And so I know when I prayed, I said, Lord, whether that TV preacher that's been this for 50 years is laying hands on him, or whether it's me being born again for one month is laying hands on him, it's you that's doing the healing. And so it's not the preacher, it's you in them. Amen. And so I knew, I knew that a baby Christian born again for one day to do the same thing that the big time preacher did, but do it all of his life because it was Jesus. It was the Holy Ghost. It was the anointing. I can tell you so many testimonies and testimonies and testimonies from those early days of my Christian life when I was a truck driver. I mean, I went about in that truck everywhere at every opportunity. At the drop of the hat, I'd lay hands on something. And I'd drop the hat just like lay the hands. Everywhere I did, I did that. So this is what I'm leaving with you. Jesus prayed very specifically for you and for me, especially in these last days. There's so much sickness, so many addictions, so many hurting people around us that do not be deceived by their faces. I'll tell you what. Some of the biggest, meanest guys you'd ever see, you wouldn't, be, wouldn't get close to. I was always bold enough that I would bind the devil in the name of Jesus. I would witness. I'd lay hands on him. I'd do whatever it took. I remember one time down in Texas. Man, I was down in Texas with some guys one time at a Christian thing down there. And uh, <laughs> I just think about things I did back then. I don't know if I'd do them now or not, but I... <laughs> I know, I know I would if God moved on. I remember was in this place, was in a line at this restaurant, and I looked over this table, and there was a black family over there. And had this great big old grizzly bear black guy. He had a beard. He looked like a lean, mean fighting machine. And it had looked like his wife there, and his mom or somebody there. And was, I kept looking at him. When I was looking at him in my heart, I kept thinking, go witness to him. Go witness to him. And I was, go witness to him. And so I thought, 
I don't want to grieve the Holy Ghost. I'm going to do this before I talk myself out of it. And so sometimes, Mrs. Pastor said the other day, you don't know what I'm going to do in a restaurant. So I went over there, and I didn't just witness to him. I went over there, and I jumped on his lap. <laughs> and I threw my hands around his neck. And his wife sitting on this side. And I, don't, I can't remember if it was mom or mother on this side. And when I did, I threw my hands around him like that. And I caught him off guard. This little old skinny white guy back then, I weighed about 100 pounds less. I jumped on his lap. I looked him in the face. And I said, what are you going to do about Jesus? It's time for you to get saved. I said, Jesus loves you. He told me to come pray for you. And that guy's like, like that. And his wife started crying. And his older woman started crying. I told you, I told you, I told you God's going to send somebody. And so I prayed for that guy. He got saved. And then my, le- my legs were like jello. They would hardly walk. I was so scared. I just didn't want to let loose of him, but I did. And he was saved. I got to the line. And these other guys that loved me, I remember this one looked at me and said, I would have never chose him. I would have never chose him. I said, Barry, I didn't choose him. I said, Jesus did. I said, Jesus is the one that chose him. I didn't. And so what I'm telling you is this. As ambassadors for Christ, we've got the anointing of God. We've got the same Holy Ghost that Jesus had. We've got the same power that Jesus had. God's with us like he's with Jesus. You read the rest of that prayer, you'll see things like that. And so it's like anything else in life. The more that you use what you're given, the easier it is to do. It's like anything in life you've ever done. Think about Nick and think about Raymond and think about all these railroad guys. I'm very sure that the first time he was on those jobs there, he looked at that big locomotive. It was big. And it was complicated. But now I bet you a lot of those things you do, you can do with a blindfold on. Just go do it. But when you first started doing it, it was just like, that's how it is living for Jesus and witnessing to people. You know, the first few times you talk to the big, mean-looking guys and they yield to the Spirit of God in you, you think, man, this is easy. Why didn't I do this before? And so we as Christians, we as Christians have heard the heart of Jesus in this prayer. Jesus said, Nick, I've sent you with the Holy Ghost and with power. Now go about doing good. He'll ignore the press of the devil because God's with you. And so that's the way it works, guys. And so let's get ready to receive communion. And as we receive communion, I do want to read a couple of verses to you out of this. I've never done it this way before, but because I, John 17. And let's read communion with these thoughts. Look at verse 21. 20 through 21 through right here. I'm going to be about three or four verses. Get this. This is the closer. This was in the devotions this morning. Verse 20. Jesus, in praying for those disciples that were gathered around him, said this. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also at High Desert Word Center, which shall believe on me through their word. How many here believe on Jesus? Amen. Through your word. That means your confession. Well, you're saying. So he said, I'm praying for them too. That they all may be one. That's talking about in unity. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Why does he want us in unity? That the world may believe thou sent me. 
You know what? The devil's people are very united in what they believe to try to destroy everything that's right. Christians, whether the name of our church is Baptist, Word of Faith, Catholic, Presbyterian, Nazarene, Methodist, uh, Episcopal, whatever the name is, if it's a church that preaches, preaches Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, died for our sins, raised from the dead, they're part of the people he was praying for. And so whether they don't speak in tongues or they do speak in tongues, that makes no difference. If they're Christians that believe in Jesus as the only way to heaven, he said, I'm praying that they'll be one. Why is that? So the world will believe. The world needs to see Christians get along. Needs to see Christians not fight other Christians. Needs to see Christians not say, hey, I know you've been going to that church a long time, but we got a better church. Come to our church. Christians aren't supposed to pull Christians out of other churches. Christians are to go out to the world and pull the world out of the world and get them into Jesus. Amen? And so then look at this. Verse 22. And the glory which thou gavest me, I've given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. And that's talking about unity. <clears throat> and then look at verse 23. I and them, and thou and me, that they may be made perfect or complete of one, and that the world may know. I circled that. He wants as complete as one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. And so Jesus said that the greatest witness of the tool, this is him praying to the Father for us right before heaven, and he said the number one thing that's going to win the world is for Christians to love, honor, respect other Christians. And that's why my whole Christian life, I have refused to ever debate the Bible with a Christian. Amen. Whether it's a fellow preacher or when I was a Christian truck driver, when other Christians found out I was a Christian, they wanted to debate, well, what's your church think about this? What do you guys believe about this? I'd never go for it. I thought, man... We believe about Jesus the way I hope you believe about Jesus. And so I would always shift the subject back to Jesus. I said, my church believes that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. My church believes that Jesus... Well, is your church talking in tongues? My church believes that Jesus is the Son of God. He is raised from the dead. I'm not going to do anything about winning the lost but fighting you about tongues. Amen. And so anyway, for us as Christians, let's stand up. And we can come up and get the elements. And as you do, I'll keep on talking for a minute. So you can come on up and... and uh, get the communion elements. And, and as we are, I think about the whole month of July, every devotion we had there, devotion of the Lord had me talk about love. How, how, how many... Uh, did, did, did very many of you read that devotion where you actually got something out of it and you got to see him? Every, every day, the Lord had me hit on, hit on love from different angles, different aspects. And so we as Christians, we as Christians need to get our act together and just be Christians. Jesus gave us his love. Did you read that last little verse, what he said there? He said, the world needs to know that God the Father loves each and every one of us as much as he loves Jesus. 
And so we're going to do what we always do in a minute. We're going to, we're going to close our eyes and judge ourselves. But as we're closing out the month of July, July was love month in the devotional we did. Let's just stop and judge ourselves about our walk with brothers and sisters of the Lord. Not only in our church here, hopefully nobody in the church is having trouble with one another. But if you are, tonight's a good night to get it right. But, you know, I know that uh, when I was a truck driver, I met a lot of Christians in a lot of places. And I remember some of the politics of the world when I was back years ago, I was driving for the post office. And anyway, I'd meet a lot of Christians at post office branches, and they were really divided over politics. It always shocked me. We'd be having a conversation about Jesus, then all of a sudden, they want to start politics to me, and want to get politics mixed up with Christianity, and have division over what political party the president was from. Or what political party that uh, was the governor of the state. I want to fight about that, and thought, wow, this is sure the opposite of what Jesus said. So we're supposed to be one with him about our faith, not one about my politics or his politics, but what about him? Because when we go to heaven, we cannot say, I'm coming to heaven in the name of Trump. Or I'm coming to heaven in the name of Obama. Or whoever the president is. We get to heaven because we're going to heaven in the name of Jesus. And so the sooner we as Christians get, get this political fight out of our heads and out of our conversations, especially on the job, there's, there's, no, there's nothing any more divisive on a job to kill the anointing to have two Christians arguing politics in front of sinners. I refuse to fall for it. Amen. Well, let's just bow our heads and just take, 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 take a little while. Just ask the Lord to show you about your life, where you can tighten up out on your love walk. If there's any Christians in your life that you've had, you've had a division with that you need to straighten it up and get things right and uh, you know whether it's your fault or their fault just don't throw any more fuel on the fire throw water on the fire and get this together because Jesus already prayed and his prayers are working for us to be one so we might as well line up hadn't we amen well let's just pray then we'll take our communion together
before we take the elements, I, I need to put something out here to help somebody so they won't uh, take something I said wrong. There's a difference between if you're talking to somebody out there about spiritual things, they ask you a question because you know they want to fight and have an argument about something, or somebody that's sincere and hungry. There may be somebody out there and they say, well, what does your church think about tongues? And you know they're not somebody wanting to have an argument about it. There's somebody they're sincere. They're seeking God about it. they got questions. But what does your church think about women preachers? What does your church think about about uh, <clears throat> healing and things like that? When people have sincere questions, they're like you were, like I was. I wanted answers. But then there's other people that have religious spirits that they want to just have an argument with you. And so there's difference. You make sure you're always open to talk with somebody. If they're hungry, people want to know more. Man, spend all day long explaining what your church believes about the Bible in those subjects. But if you know they want to have division and religious argument, like Pastor Dave said that one day we were sitting in Jenny's, this religious person sat beside me, said, started some kind of goofy talk to me, said, well, what kind of stuff do you preach? I said, I preach nursery rhymes, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, things like that. Ooh! I thought, yeah, I'm out here with my family. I'm not here to ask some religious goofball still my time my grandkids. Hey man, I don't play games with religious spirits. But if that woman would have said something that one had a sincere question, I'd have turned away from my grandkids, I'd answered her questions very nice with her. But you don't play games with the devil. Amen. Amen. And so uh, from first Corinthians eleven, it says, And when Jesus had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Thank you, Jesus. Your body was broken for us. That by your stripes we were healed, Lord. We were so grateful, so grateful. You took our sickness and disease before you died. And after the same manner also... He took the cup with his sub saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you, Lord. Because of your blood, our sins have been washed away. Because of your blood, if we miss it and get in trouble again, we can ask you for forgiveness, and your blood washes the sin away, Lord. We plead the blood over our lives, over our families. And Lord, we do this remember to you, your blood was shed for us.
we'll take just a minute here. If you are in need of prayer tonight, we invite you to come forward and, and we'll lay hands on you and we'll agree with you uh, for what it is that you need in the name of Jesus. And, uh, and then we'll dismiss after that. But let's take just a minute here. If you need prayer, we invite you to come on up.
had a good day in the house of the Lord today, haven't we? Praise God. What an awesome time. Well, I want to remind you that we're starting our new devotion for the month of August tomorrow, because it's August 1st, and it's going to be on the realm of finances, right? God's blessing upon our finances, and so make sure you get a hold of that. You can get it online or in print back there. Uh, the pool party's tomorrow night, all right? And so, uh, praise the Lord, we're excited. Uh, Pastor Katie, she came up and told me, hey, uh, th- this is our new saying, it's our new quote every time we do a pool party, but she said to say it this time, modest is hottest, right? And so, hey, man, if you were planning on a Speedo or something, leave it at home. We don't need that. Uh, you know, come on. And uh, ladies, you know, you just be modest and uh, we can all have a good time together. 6.30 at Henderson Pool. Uh, you need to have registered once again to be there. Uh, so that's awesome. And then also, little spur of the moment thing, but uh, they asked me to tell you that a bunch of us are going to Del Taco on Mountain View tonight. So if you want to join us for a little Del Taco party, amen. Your treat. <laughs> All right. But we're... <laughs> Now come on out. It's gonna be a good time. We'll go, we're gonna head over there here in a few minutes and it's a good time to just hang out, grab a little dinner, you know, celebrate Jesus and all the things that are Barstow. So, uh, come on out and we are gonna do that together here, uh, here shortly, alright? Praise God. Let's go ahead and pray and do our Barstow faith confession and we will get you out of here. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the Word all day today, Lord, and you are so good and we thank you that just as we saw in John 17, we know that we're in this world, but we are not of this world. We are of the kingdom of heaven. And so we thank you that we are flowing with you, Lord, and doing everything that you've sent us and called us to do. And we ask that you would use us this week to be the light of the world everywhere that we go. And we know that your blessing is upon our lives as we live in obedience to you. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. All right. Let's close it out with some words of faith. Amen. Are you volunteering? Okay. Oh, all right. I didn't know. Are you? Oh, okay. Well, let's have Sabrina do the Barstow Faith Confession because she made her son do it. I don't know if that was this morning or the other day. I can't remember. But anyway, you've got that. Say it with confidence. Okay. Ready? We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed, our schools are blessed, our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed, Barstow is prospering, Barstow is safe, Barstow is strong, Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good night. See you at Del Taco. Del Taco, yes. (laughs) 